Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, dear listeners. I'm your host, Sadiq bin Abdullah. Welcome back to another episode of Radio Islam. And today, uh, uh, joining me is my co-host, Iman Malik, who is new to the podcast series. Please introduce yourself. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we have a really interesting episode for you uh, this time around. Today, uh, we have a very special guest. His name is Brother Fahd Khan, who is the Deputy Director at Khalid Center and is a licensed clinical psychologist. And for those of you who are unaware, uh, the Khalid Center is an organization that offers a wide variety of services, including therapy, religious consultation, support groups, uh, and workshops, all rooted in Islamic principles as well. Welcome, brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Assalamu alaikum. Um, what initially got you interested in psychology and mental health and, and, and all that? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a hard question to answer because, you know, everything that happened, it, it kind of goes back to like uh, aqidah and creed. Okay. You know, uh, do things happen for a reason or... You know, or do we play a role in, yeah. in what, what, you know, uh, how much of it is written and whatnot. And I'm not going to go into that discussion yeah. because it's not the place for it. But um, I think that uh, right now, uh, in this point in my life, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I, mm. I, I'm doing what I feel like I'm, I'm okay at doing. Right. Uh, how I got here was basically I was uh, pre-med, just like any other Daisy would be. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I also have myself... Um, uh, in our family, actually, we have ADHD and, and anxiety. It's very okay. common, right? So even me, like, having that kind of uh, was was getting in the way of me. Yeah. You know, if you're pre-med, you have to study, like, 8 to 10 hours a day. Medical school is very difficult. Yeah. So I ended up doing a master's in biomedical sciences, and that's when I realized I can't do this. You know, this is, yeah. like, you know, it's one of those things asking somebody to run, you know, when, when they have a broken leg or something, right? So then for me, at that point, I had, I had done my bachelor's in psychology. I had a job at a hospital. Uh, inpatient unit, uh, you know, um, just doing groups and, and some base level, like basic therapy and, and support. And so I figured that, you know, that, I mean, I enjoyed it. So I thought that would be a good idea. And actually at that time I was thinking I would go into health psychology because yeah. it's more relevant to my background and interest and whatnot. And I had this externship at a hospital and something happened that just kind of like, again, this this is why, you know, it's important to believe in like Allah's plan. Yeah. Because at that moment, something happened which kind of destroyed my plan of becoming a health psychologist. And it was a, not a coincidence that I met Human at the same time. Mm. And then so when I went into this, you know, it just, and I love yeah. my job right now. Yeah, I think, I think, we, I think we, need, we need more career diversification in the Muslim community. So. <laughs> yeah. so I can tell you about the Khalil Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. please. Yeah, so Khalil Center was uh, founded uh, by Human Kishabrazi, who's the executive director now. And we have uh, a board. And the president of our board uh, is Molana um, Bilal Ali Ansari. So, um, okay. you know, Human and Molana Bilal really got together, and mm-hmm. Human was a mental health professional. Um, so they got together to, to kind of talk about the different issues. And um, there were two uh, kind of like the themes that were coming up. One was that um, when it comes to gen- general mental health and having access to services, mm-hmm. for Muslims, there weren't a lot of places that they could go and feel comfortable. Um, and then if you talk about like places like Chicago where you have Muslims of all spectrum, you have people that are very religious and conservative and they would definitely not want to even consider going to a non-Muslim provider. So we wanted to offer a space for that. Uh, the yeah. second uh, theme was that uh, Islamic psychology or Muslim mental health in general doesn't have a lot of research training. Um, so we started Khalil Center. I joined in a bit later. Uh, but Alhamdulillah now Khalil Center is the largest provider of Muslim mental health in North America. 
Uh, we have offices uh, in Toronto, New York, California, um, and uh, you know we have international collaborations with Turkey and Pakistan. And so you know um, we've been doing a lot of work. Um, so part of that work is uh, again providing the services that you talked about, and then the other part is actually doing research and writing. So our book, inshallah, in a couple of months should be out, um, and it's going to be titled. Um, What's well, going to be on the topic of traditional Islamically integrated psychotherapy? Mm-hmm. So that's the model that we've developed and, and done research on and kind of modified at Khilil Center. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah. So, um, so let's kind of look at those uh, some of the statistics we were mentioning earlier before we began recording um, regarding you know mental health statistics and, and, and kind of like what you know uh, what percentage of people kind of you know suffer from what. And, yeah. So it's it's a very widespread problem. Um, saying here one in five U.S. adults experience mental health illness each year, uh, one in 25 U.S. adults experience serious mental health illness each year, and mm-hmm. one in six uh, U.S. youth aged 6 to 17 experience some mental health disorder each year, and that's from uh, that's from NAMI, uh, National Alliance on Mental Health on Mental Illness. So, yeah, not a small problem. Right, yeah. right. And I want to kind of clarify one thing when you when you mentioned some some words there, mental illness and serious mental illness, mm-hmm. yes. right? Um, I think that even if we took the mental illness part there, um, you know, our approach uh, at the Khalil Center and from a traditional Islamic perspective yeah. is that we don't uh, we see it as like a spectrum issue, so everybody can fit into that spectrum, mm-hmm. and that actually ties into the stigma and helps the stigma. Because if we uh, if we say that there are these individuals who have mental health problems or illnesses, and then there's us who are normal, then we're negating the possible issues that we might have, which yeah. could be spiritual in nature or you know even mental health, but that they're not out and apparent, right? Sure. And uh, or we're doing a pretty good job at keeping it, uh, you know, uh, below the surface. Um, and then um, so one, we're negating that, and two, we're actually uh, stigmatizing people and separating them out saying that these are just individuals who have problems. Um, so I think that uh, just that right there tells you when they're talking about it, serious mental illness and mental health, I think it's a spectrum, and this is how it should be viewed, that um, you know everybody has something that we, we deal with, whether it's a spiritual issue, whether it's a social issue, it's a family problem, um, and all of that kind of goes into this uh, spiritual wellness that we can, um, you know, we can call, we can term, and and that can help reduce the stigma. Because if you decide to come to Khalil Center, you can get help for whatever it is that you you know, and anybody can fit into that, yeah. myself included. Right, right. right. <laughs> so, um, kind of going off of that, talking about you know how there's like a wide range of <clears throat> issues, but uh, there's also I'm assuming there's also a wide range of people as well who kind of come to you guys for for these different services as well. And I'm, I'm assuming you guys have dealt with uh, Muslim youth in particular as well. Is that correct? Yes. So, so most, actually, most of the people that come to Khalil Center are between ages of 21 and 30. Um, and uh, I have, after that, I think it would be below 21. So sure. um, high school level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I mean, nowadays, considering how even maturity develops, uh, you can probably put people in their 20s as part of like the youth, early adult, emerging adult yeah. category. So that's the way I like to categorize it at mm-hmm. least. So like uh, anywhere from middle school to, um, you know, to college, uh, right. end of college. Right. Uh, we have a lot of, a lot of those uh, people come to Cleo Center. Yeah. Sure, sure. And uh, in kind of dealing with some of those um, people from that particular age group, what are some of the uh, issues facing some of those Muslim youth today, do you think? So again, uh, looking at the same spectrum, there's uh, people that, um, that fit into the serious mental illness uh, bracket as well. You know, depression, trauma. 
I think um, growing up in America, we talked about earlier, we were kind of like talking a little bit about Islamophobia and how that affects people. That could be traumatic for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, bullying in general is very traumatic. And then, you know, if you add Muslims, I'm sure Muslims probably get more bullied mm. than, than the general population. You know, if all, all, all other things are equal. Um, so that trauma can uh, definitely lead to some serious mental illness. And then you have people that have, you know, like I'm having relationship problems or I'm having you know, issues with uh, addictions, whether now marijuana is legal in Illinois and, you know, it's either yeah. that or maybe even pornography addiction, like things right. that people in general don't see it as a big problem. Yeah. Um, but as Muslims, we do. Um, and then you also have people that just come for, like, guidance and, you know, right. support. Um, mostly in, in college years, I would say, then, like, high school. Would you say majority comes from outside societal pressures, majority of mental health problems, or more from... Uh, internal pressures in our own homes hmm. and communities uh, how much would you say comes from that our, our own internal so it, now because I, I think it's good to clarify uh, the terminology right so um, going back to the even Islamic tradition like the scholars that we've had in the past and how they've categorized mental illness well you have one category that actually purely comes from within your own self mm-hmm. so either like you're born with something or like um, nowadays, I mean, considering the weather outside, most people are vitamin D deficient. Yeah. You know, these things can cause a depression, yeah. right? And so that would be a purely internal cause. Or for like females, postpartum depression would be an example of that, where there's no apparent reason. Then there's things that, um, you know, whether it's our flawed intellect um, plus things that happen to us from the outside, so immediate family or even, you know, community. And that leads to mental health problems as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously if we look at a Muslim community and family unit, then we're also talking about problems that are internal within the family and external that come from the, the society and community at large. Right. Um, so, you know, majority of the problems are a combination of all of them. Um, and then you have, you have individuals like that have come to me and, and um, you know, and when I do the assessment, you know, depression was uh, the sudden onset of depression. Nothing really happened. Um, and then I said, okay, why don't you get your vitamin D level checked? And lo and behold, that was the problem. And when they took the vitamin D supplement, you were fine. So, you know, that does happen too. <laughs> but most of the issues are very complex. Right. Um, so one thing that I thought that, I, that you mentioned that I find very fascinating is how you guys also um, use traditional Islamic scholarship to kind of approach some of these issues as well. <clears throat> and one of the things that we often, one of the complaints or one of the grievances that we oftentimes hear from some Muslim youth is that... Um, religion is used <clears throat> in a way to uh, coerce or like uh, in a very like manipulative way to kind of like stigmatize uh, those youth for their mental health issues as well. Um, when people come to you for your services, how do the ulama who, who you are in contact with uh, kind of approach these issues as well? Because I, I, I just think it's it's very, I think there's a, there's, there's most definitely a discrepancy between that kind of manipulativeness and that, that coerciveness, mm-hmm. that coercion that takes place versus how a traditional Adam would, uh, you know, take on these issues. Yeah. Or same with, um, same with even parents. If you, if you're a Muslim youth, you go to your parents and you right, talk which about is what these I was things. To. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. they can say, you know, Oh, just, just pray and you'll be fine. Or, Oh, your, your faith must be low. And if you're, I guess, you know, a young religious teen and you're struggling with something, someone tells you oh, your, your faith is low. You're not praying enough. That can be very harmful yeah absolutely figure. yeah i think that um one of the reasons behind khalisner's success i mean you know besides the help of allah is actually the support that we've gotten from the scholars and the imams in the community 
And Khalid Center has uh, worked a lot on training and educating and building that kind of collaboration. Because, you know, when you talk, when we talk about mental health, spiritual health, we're talking about metaphysical things. And so religion plays a huge role. So if you open up books on Islamic psychology, you have all these scholars like Ghazali. And, you know, these are scholars. Um, and most of them actually were actual, like what you would consider now, you have this dichotomy of like you're either a scholar or you're an engineer or a doctor. Yeah. Back then that wasn't the case. Every, you know, people were polymaths and they had like all these you know, yeah. skill sets. And so we, um, um, you know, if you start looking at it from that lens, uh, now what we're doing is we're actually educating and we're trying to uh, have this respect, mutual respect for the scholars as well as the imams and, uh, and psychologists so that we can identify you know, if somebody comes to you, like somebody came to me uh, with a question just a few, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, and then I said, look, this is something I can't answer. I'm not a scholar, you know, even if I know the answer, but that's not my area of expertise. You need to go and, and schedule a time to meet with a scholar. Um, and then we teach the imams and scholars. So when somebody comes to you with these problems, you have to let them know that this is not your area. Somebody has a severe mental illness where just giving, you know, some sessions here and their advice is not going to be sufficient. You need to send them to a psychologist. And so that, you know, we know our scope of practice, that we don't go into that. And, and they've been really appreciative of that because what we've done is we've taken the burden from them, you know, uh, where imams are like always on call. Yeah. You know, somebody with severe OCD to marital problems or anything just calls up the imam. And so now we're like, you know, you send them to us and we'll deal with the mental health and the other component. And if there's a religious part of it, then we'll send them back to you or, you know, we can work together and collaborate. Um, so uh, from that perspective, the more educated the scholars or the parents are, the more they're likely to understand these boundaries and recognize what's mental illness, what's in normal, you know, teenage, you know, phase, right? right? And then identify that accordingly. And even from a perspective of like, does a person need to be more religious? I mean, yes, there is a correlation between being more spiritual and, and you know, having more patience and perseverance, uh, resilience, so that you can bear a lot of the issues around you. But, you know, that's not the, the cure right. for mental illness. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's incredibly fascinating. Um. I wanted to ask you about the, uh, I read about the bi-monthly Reddit discussions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I had, we had an intern. So at the Khalil Center, we also have an inter internship program. We do, we take like undergraduate interns, graduate interns. Um, one of the undergraduate interns, actually, he was a student at U of I. He was getting his engineering degree, and he didn't want to do that. He wanted to be a psychologist. Yeah. So he said, you know, can I come and, and do some, like, work with you and just observe and very hardworking. Hamza is his name. And so he came, and he, um, his uh, uh, concern, which is very valid, and he had background in, in young Muslims, was that um, the, young, the youth uh, don't have a place where they can ask the right people the right questions, and right. they go end up Googling stuff, and, you know, so let's provide something. And so we've played with several different, uh, you know, ideas like how we can have something that's more permanent. And uh, one, obviously, you know, people who are aware of Reddit know that people go in there and ask all sorts of questions. You know, there's all sorts of communities from Islam to like those who are, have left Islam and, you know, uh, atheists and whatnot. So, um, you know, he wanted to start there. And so we just kind of uh, said, why don't we do a, at least uh, uh, monthly or bi-monthly some kind of uh, a place for people. And people have asked very interesting questions on there. A lot of them are very relevant to youth yeah. and the problems that they're facing. So, you know, again, the idea is just to have a place where people, because you can create an anonymous account on there and, you know, ask a question. Right. Mm -hmm. Or people have right. messaged me privately as well. But we want to create something that's more permanent mm -hmm. and it's more of like a support place for right. Muslim youth, but also with professionals who can help rather right. than just anybody. How much would you say those discussions are controlled by whichever um, professional is in charge of it at the moment? Because I, I skimmed a little bit of it yeah. and it seems... 
the discussion kind of goes all over. People can, you know, yeah. butt in with whatever they want. Right. So that's the way the Reddit is, to yeah. be honest. Um, I mean, I think what they've done is they've identified me as a, uh, they, they, they check my credentials and, uh, you know, then they put me down as someone who's been verified. Um, and um, so, you know, I guess anybody can go and put an answer in there. You know, it's fine. Or claim to be whatever and put an answer. Uh, but at least there's a level of trust that, you know, we have somebody who's licensed and mm-hmm. who has the education background. So, um, and, you know, what, what I recommended to them was to find more individuals who are also qualified and have degrees in you know, education so that license so that they can also come in and answer from their perspective. Because I don't claim to be, you know, the one that can answer all the questions or have, have the correct answer. Yeah. And some of those questions, like I said, are very, very complicated and very difficult to answer. I read that you mentioned uh, in an article it's not a re- those discussions are not a replacement for therapy. Mm-hmm. So what, what would you say is the main purpose of those, the main benefit, and mm. at what point does it cross into, okay, this needs to move off of the discussion board and this mm. person needs therapy? Um, <clears throat> see, again, I don't like to say who needs therapy, who right. doesn't. I always recommend it to everybody, like mm-hmm. just kind of general broad i have my own therapist so you know i mean i i, I kind of make it a point to tell people that because i want people to understand that you don't need to be mentally ill to go see a therapist yes. um and uh but i think that um uh from that the reddit perspective and even generally like when i let's say if, if you're having a discussion at home or you know with friends about these kind of issues um i think uh, if people begin to part, part of it's just recognizing that look there's such thing as anxiety for example right there's such thing as normal and healthy anxiety and then there's such thing as abnormal and unhealthy anxiety. So then, you know, if somebody, if you talk about anxiety, then they can say, oh, okay, so I know I have anxiety. So at least I know that. Now, is it abnormal and healthy? That depends. And what do I do? Like, is it making me stay at home and I can't leave the house? You know, is it causing me to not be able to go talk to people, social anxiety? You know, do I have this from something traumatic that happened to me in the past, which is very common, some of those questions that are on there. So I think it's just the opening, opening the gate. Um, I mean, when I see people, when they talk about like uh, depressed and suicidal or people like, uh, you know, I been, haven't been able to go back to school or I, I can't find a job, that's where I would say, okay, now it's kind of getting to a point where you definitely need to go see a therapist. Um, so I'll privately message them and, you know, start the conversation there so it doesn't, like, they don't have to reveal anything personal uh, on, a, on a very public uh, yeah. domain. Since those conversations are very open-ended, you know, anyone can kind of jump in, is there a way... For you guys to monitor misinformation that's maybe spread there so far it hasn't been an issue but i suppose if that ever happened then yeah i mean um absolutely i think uh, they you know there's moderators on these uh, forums so they they keep an eye on these things and i'm sure if i report if people reported any of these things they would get deleted as well mm-hmm. so yeah it, it hasn't it hasn't gotten out of hand in that in that sense yet and i think the the thing is if you go on the subreddit islam for example you'll see that a lot of islamic discussions do kind of get out of hand because you have a lot of people who are not muslims or you know people who've left islam kind of come in and try to give their you know perspective uh, but this is a purely mental health kind of issue. And I try to not to talk too much about like uh, Islam in that perspective, only if the person uh, asks for it or if I sense that there's this kind of inclination and they want to know more about it. Uh, so I try to keep it as much as possible to a very professional kind of, you know, mental health uh, strictly on that, uh, on that uh, level, uh, unless, like I said, if it's necessary. Right. So, <clears throat> so this is really interesting because um, Reddit or other online platforms, as you mentioned, you know, can serve as a way to kind of educate people and, and uh, initiate discussions and allow for those discussions to take place and to, you know, so, so that way, you know, people can, so number one, 
you can raise awareness and then number two educate those who are curious about this or those who are in need um, what do you feel like as, as though uh, are some steps that we as a community can take to further kind of educate those who are either uh, who, who don't have a particular specialty in this field uh, to kind of like recognize some of these issues you know so that way perhaps parents who may recognize that maybe there's something going on with their children can they can easily identify what's going on and kind of point them in the right direction or give them the right uh, resources to go to. Right. I mean, I think uh, the, the the base of our communities are family unit. And so, you know, I would uh, urge a lot of the, the people now who are like young and getting married now or, you know, been recently married to really work on educating themselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, collaborate with the mental health providers. Um, you know, most Muslim, mashallah, especially in Chicagoland, are very well off uh, individuals who have health insurances. So there's no reason why yeah. they can't go see a psychologist for a consultation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, having that, because that's where it all begins, you know, having a strong relationship with your children, understanding uh, concerns that they might have, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, if I wasn't a psychologist, I probably wouldn't recognize some of the things in my, my kids either. Uh, but my four-year-old has, you know, anxiety and I can see it in him. It comes from genetics, and you know, so I can uh, I know when he's say, saying something out of anxiety, and when he's saying something not out of anxiety, right, right, and right. I know when he's talking through anxiety, I shouldn't be responding to him because I'm not helping him; I'm hurting him. Yeah. Right. So I think a lot of that comes through education. So I would really right. strongly urge that, and then you know, for the mosques uh, to have some kind of a, a platform for where the youngsters can get together, invite people, so that you know. Um, they can talk more about these topics. And, and some of the organizations out there already do that. Like I mentioned, Young Muslims, um, you know, which is uh, part of Ikan, I believe. So yeah. you know, they do a lot of work in, in different mosques, especially in Chicagoland area. But having that, that place where people can come talk is, is very important. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, uh, what about more geared towards the older generation? It can be a little bit harder to get through sometimes. And they're not yeah. on these, you know, online, like on Reddit and stuff. The thing in general, that, general. Oftentimes, oftentimes, what I've noticed too is like you know, with with the older generation too, is there's this oversimplification of mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of these issues, and they kind of just, as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. oh, just pray more, you know, sunnah rakaz or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you know, increase your iman somehow. Or, right. But uh, so so that oversimplification. How how do you kind of how should we go about kind of breaking those barriers between this oversimplification and understanding the nuances of mental yeah. health? You know, I think that, um, well, there's there's one, um, you're always going to have people who are very close-minded who, who won't understand. Mm-hmm. I've had clients, you know, like parents who got forced to come to therapy by their kids, marital problems or whatever, anger problems. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, like one person said to me, I can teach you more about psychology than you can. And I said, that's fine, you know, teach me, I'm here to learn. I, I really, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So I've had parents who come to me, they just don't know. When you have somebody who's a licensed professional tell them something, they take it a bit more seriously rather than, you know, somebody's randomly saying it to them or even their kids because they might say the kid's making an excuse. So we've had parents who, like, you know, kids have ADHD symptoms, for example, and we talk to the parents like this is what's happening and, you know, based on these symptoms, here's what you can and, and here's what you should not do. But once you tell them, they actually, you know, they're pretty receptive to it. Um, sometimes you might get a little bit of, again, it, it comes down to the, the type of individual. I've, I had a client who was, you know, very depressed, hopeless, and at the verge of, you know, killing himself. And, you know, and his father would not let him go on uh, antidepressants. You know, and I told him, I said, look, it's either this or the possibility that your son might take his life. You know, so you decide, you know, would you be okay with that? And I think just kind of giving him that reality check was was helpful because then he 
you know, he decided that it was okay for him to go on uh, antidepressants, which was necessary in this case. Yeah. So, so we're talking about adults and adult mm-hmm. perception of mental health. Uh, what have, from your experiences, what have you seen in terms of how Muslim youth uh, reach out for help and kind of expressing themselves? Mm-hmm. Because at times, perhaps they may not know how to express themselves or how to reach out. Uh, mm-hmm. Perhaps they may feel apprehensive. There's a, there's a great hesitancy um, because of the stigmatization in the Muslim community, perhaps, or, or anything else, right? So, I mean, what have you seen in terms of like how they kind of say, yeah. I need help? I mean, it's very difficult. It depends on, on the relationship that uh, parents have with the children. Mm-hmm. And I think parents uh, have to really educate themselves on uh, how to differentiate between like something that's problematic and something that's very normal. Because a lot of times uh, parents do bring their kids in for something that's very normal. You know, like, oh, my son, he doesn't want to come eat with us. I mean, you know, that's, the, I mean, it's like, you know, the fall or the decline of, you know, whatever you want to call it, human civilization. But, you know, like we're just very isolated individuals. You know, technology is a big thing. You know, everybody here has something in it, you know, in our lap or hands. It's that we consider that. So it's it's part of like it's a very normal thing, and it's not good. It's not healthy, but it is normal. And so between what's normal and then what's abnormal. So like I've had parents who, you know, uh, just to kind of keep my confidentiality with the children, I'll uh, and they're under eighteen, so I'll tell the parents like, look, legally you have the right to know what's happening here, but I will tell you if you want me to help your child, I'm not going to be spying on you know him for you right that's not how it works um so there's there's going to be a line and i i give example that say if your child muslim child tells me that he's smoking marijuana you know um i mean unfortunately i don't like it i don't agree with it but it's normal you know a lot of kids in high school muslim schools or non-muslim schools they do that and uh, but if he's doing it something that's very uh, unhealthy dangerous way if he's say if he's shooting heroin you know in his uh, in his veins like right. then i would probably tell you because it's like yeah you know, borderline, like, you know, at the verge of killing himself, right? right? So, uh, but that part is necessary because um, now even for kids, right, they sometimes don't know what's normal and abnormal. So they might go from normal to abnormal, like being, um, you know, just isolated to like now depressed and hopeless. Um, So, you know, I think it's just a matter of like uh, educating, having that relationship with them. um, And then uh, at least giving them the options. So like, you know, Khalil Center has a, uh, you know, and I think even Radio Islam has a, a text um, yeah, yeah, crisis, yeah. Line, crisis right? text line, yeah. right? So, uh, you know, get help, right? Or mm-hmm. email somebody or talk yeah, to somebody. Sure. And, um, you know, so talking to kids, hey, if you feel like you need that, you yeah. do it. Uh, and then catching it early on, too. Yeah. You know, both of my kids have a therapist. And I mean, that was one of the first things that, that immediately, just because in case we're doing something wrong. Sure. And, you know, in case there's something that we can't catch, that mm. person can help us identify that. Yeah. Right. So, so there doesn't yeah. always have to be something wrong to see. No, absolutely it's all, not. It's just right. helpful yeah. to just have someone. And I tell parents that, you know, if you want your, your son to go, and I say this to everybody, one of the most common questions asked is, how do I get this person to come to therapy? Because they need it. Yeah. So I say, look, when you already identify that, you've separated yourself from the individual, they're not mm. going to come. So what you need to do is you need to say, like, how can you come to counseling and or see somebody who can help you, uh, you know, identify some of the issues that you might have. Um, and then the other person will see that behavior. And that's the prophetic sunnah. They will yeah. see that you're modeling the behavior and then they might be more open to it. Uh, but you can never force somebody else to go see a counselor yeah. and, and expect it to work. Right. It doesn't work like that. Right. Um, so <clears throat> something else that I was kind of thinking about is... Uh, therapeutic activities right um is this something that you kind of like recommend to your patients as well mm-hmm. is there like i mean obviously in each patient is, is going to be different on a case-by-case basis depending on what issues they may have or struggle with 
Um, but what are some of the you know therapeutic practices that you mm. uh, may recommend at times? Right. So uh, now you're talking about for individuals, right? So uh, one practice that I always recommend is journaling. Um, you know, writing down your thoughts. So, you know, just to kind of give you an idea of like, even from an Islamic perspective, so we were talking about Imam Ghazali earlier, and he mentions in Ihya, in one of his uh, yeah. uh, texts from there, that when Allah wants something good for his servant, then he gives him uh, or her um, awareness into his own deficiencies, right? Um, now, you know, some people argue whether that's a hadith or not, but the point I think is well taken. Because even from the Quranic perspective, like if Allah... You know, if we don't have a close relationship with Allah, then Allah makes us forget our own selves, right? So yeah. there's this connection between yeah. like knowing yourself and, and even from a Western, you know, atheistic perspective. I think yeah. everybody agrees on that. Yeah. So then Imam Ghazali says, how do you actually get that, right? So one way is to go see, a, have a sheikh that you have this connection with and he can guide you or a mentor um, or an individual or friend who, yeah. who who's aware, who can guide you well. Even an enemy can tell you more about yourself and your deficiencies. Right. The idea is that you yourself uh, uh, cannot be a good judge of your own weaknesses and your deficiencies. Mm. That you need somebody. Now, part of that, why does that work? Why does therapy work? If I have a thought in my head, the thought is that my life sucks. My life is horrible. You know, I hate my family, yeah. right? Now, that's a very generic, broad, negative thought. And if I don't actually uh, take time to think about it or actually, you know, clarify the thought, it's going to get worse and worse, right? And then everything I do day to day, it's going to support and reinforce that thought, right? Uh, So uh, I might, for example, if I have a thought that my family is horrible, the things that they do that are good, I might neglect them or ignore them. And I only focus on the negative aspects of it, right? If I think my life uh, sucks, then I'm only going to focus on the bad things that happen in my life and not yeah. not talk about the good things. So a therapist ideally would guide you towards that. Let's say you have the depressive thought process. Yeah. Um, and journaling is actually another way to do that. So you clarify what's in your head, which is all broad and foggy and everything. And then, you know, yeah. you put it down so that you can, you know, dry it out if you have to. But you actually can uh, clarify for your own self. Yeah. Now, it's not always the best way because, again, if you're having some serious mental health issues, then you need somebody else. But it's a good start. It's a good daily practice. And one of them is gratitude journaling. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, uh, take like a few minutes. And again, going back to Ghazali, he talks about muhasaba. You do an accountability of your day. How did I, uh, What did I do today? Mm. What time did I wake up? Should I have woken up earlier or later? Uh, did I, you know, was I good to my family? Did I get to my meetings on time or was I late? What can I do differently tomorrow? What, what are some good things that happened that I'm grateful for, mm-hmm. right? You know, and then you identify yeah. them. And by doing so, um, you're changing your mindset right. and like this broad negative thought that you might have that my day was horrible, which a lot of people say, you know, I'm having a horrible day or, you know, this job is horrible. Yeah. Then now you can clarify for yourself. Yeah. And I would recommend with journaling, if you, you know, uh, you can buy structured journals. Like I have one in my bag that's basically is writing prompts, you know, because sometimes I don't feel like writing. So you need something to just kind of keep you going. Um, uh, or you can, you know, if you're the type of person that they can write, then just, you know, open ended, yeah. pick up a composition notebook and just start writing right. about your thoughts, your feelings. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, when I asked you this pre- previous question, you mentioned um, there's individual individual mm-hmm. therapy. Um, so I'm assuming there's also what you would call a like group therapy, I guess you could say. And what, what are the, some of the practices for that? Yeah. So as a group, I would say even as a family, you can do the same activities, yeah. right? Like even yeah. gratitude, kind of like, uh, yeah. you know, what did you... Um, uh, like from today, what are some things that that you uh, that you liked and that you were mm-hmm. grateful for? Uh, even like within couples, we talk about like at the end of the day, tell each other something good that happened that you know from mm-hmm. the other person, right? Yeah. Like something that you appreciated from the right. other person. Um, you know, with children, 
uh, I think it comes down to at least spending five minutes or so just kind of a structured, open-ended, well, semi-structured, open-ended conversation. So, yeah. you know, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. You know, I've been trying with my eight-year-old uh, to talk a bit more about like this text that we're reading at Khalil Center on what is considered chivalry. Mm-hmm. Right? So we talk, we take a quality and we mention, we talk about, okay, this is the quality, then how does that work in real life? You know, how do you do that? Yeah. It's only like two or three minutes. And I mean, I don't know if that's going to have any positive effect, but I think having that that uh, time slot where you can actually do that with your family, with your friends, yeah. that is a great idea. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So I, I think uh, one thing I do, uh, there's a few things, that, especially with the youth, because we're talking about youth. Yeah. So um, I'll say that uh, we have to uh, keep in mind some things, especially for the youth, and maybe I'll consider myself in that too. Uh, <laughs> technically, I think I am a millennial, but you know, I think that's just something I want to say for, to be cool. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, for example, um, sleep, right? Yes. And I don't think that people in general, and I think especially the youth recognize the importance that sleep plays. And you asked, like, what can people do regularly? Yeah. You know, journaling being one, but I would say keep an eye on your sleep. Yeah. Sleep and, and eating patterns because you take a very healthy individual who doesn't have any psychological or physical issue and you, uh, you know, you may put them a night shift or something. Yeah. You know, it will have very severe uh, effects later in life. Uh, yeah. And people tend to have bipolar like uh, disorders that might develop or even like tendencies sure. to, you know, that, that are like when they become manic and kind of out of hand. Mm. Uh, their need for sleep kind of goes away after a few days. And, right. you know, that's a red flag. Yeah. Um, so I would say that definitely uh, youth have to be very careful, like especially high schoolers and beyond. Uh, because our, uh, this, whether it's a society or even, I guess, even f- f- physiologically, because I read there's a study that they did, I think it was in California, where they put a whole bunch of youth in, in a building and there were no windows or clocks just to see what time they would fall asleep. Okay. And they were falling asleep yeah. more and more later in the night. <laughs> you know, so I think there might be some biological tendency there too. But yeah. I think the importance of recognizing that sleep should be between, you know, uh, like for us Muslims, between you know, Aisha and Fajr, right? yeah. ideally. Um, and, uh, you know, and maybe in, in summer you might want to sleep after Fajr as well. Um, and so it should be like at least I would say from like eight to or uh, seven to nine hours. Yeah. Um, and it should be done during the nighttime, yeah. like when it's dark outside. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that prevents that sleep from happening is our phones. Yeah, right? Like the light, that artificial sure. light that goes into our yeah. eyes. And so we have to be kind of very careful with that. Yeah. Um, and again, eating plays a role in that as well. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's, a, that's one thing to be very, very cautious of. The other thing I would say is, um, you know, is, is social interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're kind of moving towards not having much because of social media and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, back in our day, I remember uh, when I was in high school, we used to have, because I, I grew up a gamer, like I was a nerd. So we used to have like <laughs> land parties, you know, yeah. you'd take off your whole computer and this big giant monitor and you'd go to a friend's house and then all night like you'd be playing. And it was fun. You know, we look forward to it. It was like once or twice a year kind of thing. Right. And, um, you know, but nowadays you don't need that because of the internet, right? right. Um, so at that time, the internet wasn't that fast. Yeah. And so like that that whole like uh, aspect of seeing somebody face to face, I would say that's very important. So, you know, make it a point sure. to go meet with somebody, hang out with, you know, good friends, good company, leave the house at least like yeah. once a day, even if, you're, if it's a day off. Yeah. Um, because the happiest people through studies they've found are the ones who are more socially connected. Yeah. Uh, in sure. a very you know uh, healing positive way. Yeah, which which I think is really interesting too, because at, at the same time, I mean, some people could argue, <clears throat> or some people would argue that isolation, alone time, helps with you know like mental clarity or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, how do you reconcile these two things? So so structured isolated time, yeah. right? It's not just like 
being bored and right. like you know be, being in your own just random thoughts sure so if, like if you're gonna take time and sit and contemplate mm. like the fakr they talk about yeah. right and, and uh, Allah has us do the same thing right? yeah. in the signs of Allah that's good time yeah. um, you know whether you want to call it meditation or whatever do dhikr like, you know that's yeah. different but you know you can't do that for too long sure. right so that's gonna be I would say maybe 20 to 40 minutes max a day mm-hmm. Right? Like as little as five minutes, but I would say you can't do more than four. It's gonna be it's very difficult to sit yeah. in. If I ask, like I do this exercise with my when I teach psychology, like if I ask you to uh, empty your mind of all thoughts, uh, you know most people can't do it more than like 20, 30 seconds. Yeah. Right? It's very difficult. Yeah. That to do that for five, ten minutes, right? Yeah. Like very focused, it's it's very challenging. So I would say that's structured. Right. But if it's unstructured, like you're just bored and you're in your room and you're thinking negative thoughts, because yeah. when you're alone, you know. Shaitan's yeah. there, right? right? So they're like, you know, there's going to be these waswasa that come in, thoughts, right. negative thoughts constantly. Sure. And then we start ruminating. And again, going back to the tendencies of human beings and noticing things that are negative, right? Yeah. Like if there's a if there's something written on that white board, I'm only yeah. going to notice the black part. I'm not going to look at the white part. Sure. Um, so, you know, that's going to lead towards uh, depression and yeah. hopelessness. And again, very normal people who, who would, if they started doing that, uh, yeah. you know, would get to a point where they would want to kill themselves. So well, it's it's very dangerous, like, well, you know, road. But I would right. say, so the more structured, the better it is. Yeah, sure. That's incredibly fascinating, yeah. actually. In <laughs> fact, I mean, like, that actually is a very, it's, you know, our scholars in the past, going back to them, they've talked about, like, one of the ways to do dusky of yourself, yeah. you know, is to uh, uh, avoid people, right? Okay. But again, okay. we're looking at balances, right? So most people... What ends up happening is they want to be around people, right. and by being around people, you don't focus on your own self. Yeah. And then you f- you're so focused on the other person. How do I look in front of the other person? How do I present myself? Right. You know, and then arrogance and jealousy and all these other right. things come in, and people are gossiping. So it's like, okay, yeah. well, let's take a time from that and spend some time alone. Sure. Uh, but this wouldn't apply to somebody who has, you know, who's like depressed. Right. Like it would be the opposite of that. I would yeah. Say you need to go sense. out and spend more time. That, that's really good to know to keep it structured and not just open-ended alone yeah. time. And at the, at, the, at the end of the day, like our dean is, is, is a dean of, of balance and moderation Absolutely. too. So Absolutely. not going to one extreme or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So the, the model that we practice actually, so we, you know, we talk about like the, first we talk about the ontology of human beings, like what's aql and what's nafs and yeah. ruh and all in these aspects, which is very important to understand. Because when you have, when something happens, you need to know where is this coming from, yeah. you know, like what part of me is is doing this and what part of me is, doesn't want to do this mm-hmm. and why is there this tension inside of me yeah then we talk about this this st- the stages or steps to change and so the first is always awareness because if you're not aware then you don't know right like you have to become aware of okay what are my thoughts what are the negative ones what are the positive ones why am i depressed what are the traumatic events that happened in my life identify them and then after that we uh, we talk about balancing right yeah. so like you said right that we, you know, a Muslim should not be extreme in one direction or the other, whether it's spending time with people, whether it's sleeping, eating, put anything on that, sure. you know, um, balance. It should be always be equal. Right. It's, um, it's built into our day already in five daily yeah. prayer breaks. It's, it's already there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Right. All right, then. Uh, that, yeah, it's good? a good place to wrap up. Okay. Jazakum Allah Thank you so much uh, for our dear listeners. Jazakum Allah and thank you so much, uh, uh, brother, for coming on to the show uh, for today. Until next time, everyone, uh, I am your host, Sadiq bin Abdullah, here with my co host, Iman Malik. Until next time, Salaam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.